we had an interview with a good buddy of mine, the Gorilla Chemist, and uh, we were just getting underway, and then we ran into some major technical issues, so we have to reschedule him. But Scott's got a couple little nuggets, just a teaser of what the interview, how it was starting out. We got a couple questions out of the way, and he gave us some great info. So Scott's going to throw that in at the beginning, Scott. It, it, let's just make it a segment in itself. We'll just do that. It's a segment in It'll itself. Be, let's call it like a special edition. Just the tip with the Gorilla just Chemist. The there you go. There you go. There you go. I like it. <laughs> little, little just a tip. And on today's show, special guest, Brian Moscow, the Gorilla Chemist. What's going on, man? What's up, Big Ron? How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing great. I know you and I have been... Uh, expo chat buddies for many many years <laughs> many years yes as we all know what the expo chat buddy circle is like and uh and i've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time um so i'm happy you're here to dazzle the dummies like us who need who need all the actual help we can get so it's uh, no, it's good I'm, to have uh, you i'm very excited that you guys that we finally linked up and got this together so now let's just start off. I want to make sure the audience knows who you are. You're really good at not putting your actual name on anything. You're just a gorilla chemist. Like your identity is almost. Branding. Yeah. And then yeah, you ruined like, it. You ruined it, Ron, by saying his name. I know. Show. It's his cover's blown. I know. <laughs> I didn't ask his permission to actually name him. He's kind of like Batman, I guess. It's like uh, in Fight Club, first rule, you don't talk yes. about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so just uh, tell everyone you're 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 more than just uh, a bit of a muscle nerd. You've got a real serious education behind you. So, just tell uh, tell everyone kind of about how you got into like bodybuilding and then your education. Like, how did that tie in? So, I got into following bodybuilding in the late '90s, early 2000s. I was young, and then. In 2004, 2005, I started competing, getting into that aspect of it. And I really enjoyed all the nutritional stuff, the dieting and, you know, how supplements work and, and all, all of it that comes into it. I just wasn't sure how anything worked. So in 2007, I decided to go back to school for chemistry to learn all this stuff and then went on at UCF in, in Central Florida and then went to Georgia Tech for grad school and got my master's in organic and biochemistry. And so now I have a pretty solid understanding of how most supplements work from like bioavailability, how to get into your system, where they bind the action that's there going to be taken, stuff like that. And that was really intriguing is you take a pill and the headache goes away. What's really going on in the body? That's really, that's kind of where it started. Right, right. People, people don't think of how it's actually working. Yeah. No. And I always was thinking about how it's working. And obviously, uh, Patrick Arnold was a big influence on me. He was like the the world's, like everyone knew who he was as a chemist. He was the only chemist in the industry. And so he, he inspired me. His column in MD was a big thing. I read that every month. He wrote articles yeah. about how things work, like in pretty layman's terms, which I really appreciate. That's kind of what I try and do. And he just got me really into what can I do in the supplement industry? Because he, he kind of pioneered everything. So I'm just trying to, what can we do now with all the new regulations and stuff? Right. That's cool. So 
I've got a whole list of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of topics we could talk to you about. So I got to knock out, we got to knock out the, the ones that people are really going to want to hit first. So okay. obviously we're bodybuilders building muscle. What are we doing wrong? <laughs> you mean why are people passing away so early? No, or- no, no. No, that's oh. that's later in the show. That's that's section Got four. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we're, people are taking all these supplements to get bigger, and I know you're shaking your head at some of them. Yes. Like the- useless, 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 that sort right. of stuff. And okay. sometimes, sometimes the stuff that really does matter is maybe too expensive to actually put <clears throat> realistic ingre- doses into the products and stuff, and people don't realize that sort of thing. So, what what do you what do you really like? for building muscle? So the first and foremost is uh, like a solid EAA formula. I think without, if you're not getting enough amino acids, essential amino acids, if you're not getting from food, you have to get them from supplements in order to build muscle. And I think that's one of the rate determining steps for building muscle. So if you're not getting a bunch of those in every day, you're not going to be able to put on as much size as you want to. A lot of people make BCAA products and it just has leucine in it to, you know, activate mTOR, which it does. But if M- if mTOR is just going and it, you don't have any other amino acids to actually build the muscle out, then you're not going to build any muscle. So I think first and foremost, that's a big thing. As far as I like in, uh, insulin mimics, I think they help out a lot with building muscle. Like uh, berberine is a really good one. It has data that shows it works almost as, like right on par with metformin. So and it, a lot of the good stuff depends on bioavailability too, how to get it into your system. Uh, creatine is another one I think that everyone could take creatine. I don't think there's any problems with that. You, isn't that, you know, isn't creatine is technically the most scientifically backed supplement in the world, right? Yes, the most studied supplement in the industry. That and I think caffeine. Now, what about all the different uh, the arguing between monohydrate and all the different creatines? What's your take on that? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, I've done a lot of research on the different ones, and they've even compared head-to-head studies of monohydrate versus creatine nitrate versus the pH-balanced creatine, uh, creacolin, I think. I think creacolin scored the worst really? out of any of them. Yes. Huh. <laughs> So I think that that one was on the worst. Uh, there was no significant difference between nitrate and monohydrate or HCL. The the big, I guess the big push on HCL was that it's more soluble in water, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you can get it into your system. It just means it dissolves in water better, but it still has to get into your cells. So I, I think monohydrate is the one that has the best overall data. I don't think there's any special creatine. I think most of it is just marketing and, and somebody wanted to get a patent on something. The, the patent the patent is always the kicker. It is yes, it is to get a trademark ingredient on something. So I think that's the only reason that they did the HCL and got any a patent out of it is because of the solubility. It doesn't do anything more and it's so expensive compared to monohydrate. Right. Okay. Now, you mentioned berberine. What else would be in that category? 
like helping of things insulin mimics. Yeah, and insulin mimics. Yeah. Um. So I put out a product. I think I have it here. Yeah, you have your own. You have your own company too, called Chemix, right? I do. Yes. Chemix. Yeah, we'll let you push that. So Go this, ahead. Shove it down our throats. This right product <laughs> is uh, <laughs> this is an insulin mimic product, and so um, bitter melon is something I really like. Bitter melon has really good data. It's considered nature's insulin, and um, they actually can grind it up and use it in solutions in in other countries, like as far as taking insulin. So the data on bitter melon is really really good. I liked uh, Genema. Um, Silvestri, that's another one that has a lot of good properties for getting shuttling carbohydrates into your cells, uh, which is dependent on a protein called GLUT4. I think you guys have heard of that before. Mm -hmm. That's basically, in order to get a carbohydrate into your cell, it needs uh, the GLUT4. It transports it from the outside of the cell to the inside of the cell. So anytime you can increase the activity of that transporter, you're helping get carbohydrates into your muscle which stores glycogen, gives you energy, retains water, like in, intracellular water, all the good stuff that you want. Um, banab, so banaba leaf, a lot of people use it for like, for or solic acid for uh, muscle building, but there's compounds in there okay. called tannins that are really, really good for glucose metabolism. So I got a standardized version of that for tannins, and I really, really like that ingredient and then alpha lipoic acid has really good data you guys have all heard of that one the uh the the ri smart yeah the old if you remember like when muscle tech had that patent for um the creatine with the sugar and then alpha lipoic acid so people were taking like their bottles and then taping alpha lipoic acid onto it (laughs) to sell it together because they couldn't um put it in the product because of the patent but I do think alpha lipoic acid works really well. The R isomer is the very active one. There's R and S. So the R is the one if you want to buy it. I think R is the way the route to go to use. And then, you know, so cinnamon. Can you just can you just order it? Can you just order yeah. like the R isomer? Yes. Uh, most most stores you can it's called sodium lipoate, which is the R active isomer of alpha lipoic acid. They you can buy that at store or Amazon. Okay. Can I can I back up just a second? I w- I'd like to ask just a basic question. Um, so sure. everything you're talking about, glucose disposal agents, what what? And we're talking about building muscle. What would be the benefits of trying to dispose of glucose when our goal is to to build muscle? So, as you know, insulin is the most anabolic hormone in the body. Insulin is a storage hormone, so it can either store carbs in your muscles or it can store fat in your body so by manipulating your insulin sensitivity which is how how responsive you are to releasing insulin when you take in carbohydrates you can essentially elevate your insulin levels to get more of the amino acids and carbohydrates into your cells so that way you everything is getting into your muscles so you can build more muscle and if and uh Something you could do at home, if you take like this product or when I was with Blackstone, I made Glycolog, you take that with some simple carbs before you work out, you can feel the glycogen like forming in your muscles. Like it's a crazy pump. 
right just on. from shuttling carbohydrates in there. And that I kind of discovered by accident. That was a trying out something and it worked. So let's roll with it. Nice. <laughs> so in, in general, then, are you saying like a GDA like this, the best time is because I think that's probably going to be like the next question. People are like, OK, so yeah. I want to build muscle. When do I take it? Before you work out with uh, your pre-workout meal right is on. the best time mm-hmm. to take it. Um, you can also usually you could take it after, but your insulin sensitivity is, is it at its best after you train. So it, it's almost overkill, but you can take it first thing in the morning with, uh, your breakfast to help keep lower, uh, lower insulin levels. As far as if you have too high of insulin levels for too long, yeah. that's when you start storing more fat. So this is to increase how well your body responds to insulin. So great for dieting phase too, then you're saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. When I dieted, so, I was taking a GDA too. Right. So I, whenever I, I, I hope that this sentence is perfectly correct because this, this is what I tell people. But when they say, "Why do I want to be more insulin sensitive?" and I say, "So you can get more out of less insulin." So yes, that is what you're trying to do. Is you're getting, you're, you're responding better to insulin. You're not having to release as much. So That's in effect. Goal. Is there also what? So, how is this theory, the idea that bodybuilders can over time, really massive bodybuilders can actually kind of like wear out their pancreas? Do you think that that's. Yes. yes. That's why people 100%. become diabetic in the first place, right? They drink Coca Cola every day for 20 years and fry their pancreas. Right. Your, your beta cells in your pancreas are trying to keep just secreting insulin and more and more, and then your body doesn't utilize it well. And. That can actually affect a lot of things, including your brain. Uh, they're, they, they're thinking that that's tied into Alzheimer's, is that your brain is not responding to glucose. So that's why they use like ketones a lot in treatment for that. I've heard of a lot of like, you know, uh, zero sugar and low carb sort of like outside the bodybuilding world, but I've heard doctors talk about it for dementia and cognitive longevity and stuff like that. What do you see? I think that if you are getting to that phase or you have, you're either type two diabetic or you just have poor insulin sensitivity, I think you should avoid as the sugars as much as you can. And I think your brain works better on ketones. So if you're really struggling with um, mental clarity, and especially when you're dieting and you go through that transition phase, if you're cutting carbs into ketosis, um, those ketone supplements really, really help as far as for mental clarity. So what about, do you see all carbs as equal at the end of the day, or do you think there are good and bad carbs? You know, we, we see this argument, people say, no, it's not the same. They're all the same. They all turn to sugar. They're all glucose in the end. And then other people are like, no sugar, eat your oatmeal, eat your sweet potatoes, you know, that sort of thing. How do you feel? I think that at the end, carbs are carbs and they all go to glucose, but they have different pathways. So like fructose, for example, doesn't convert directly like into into glucose. You can't use it as quickly. It has to go through like the pentose sugar phosphate uh, pathway. It's totally different. But there, I think that the slower digesting carbohydrates, all they really do is kind of control your insulin levels so you're not spiking up and down, which is what the sugars do. 
So as far as is it better for you, depends on how insulin sensitive you are. If you are very insulin sensitive, then you could probably get away with the sugars. If you are more insulin resistant, bordering on, you know, you store fat more easily or something like that, then you probably want to avoid them. 